0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why you cast down, oh, my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? So notice the psalmist is talking to himself. Anybody ever talk to yourself? You know, you talk to yourself. We talk to everything these days. We talk to Alexa. We talk to Siri. We talk to traffic lights that can't respond. We talk to cars next to us that ain't listening to us. Come on, some of you talk to players and coaches on the game, and they don't hear you at all. So you can talk to your own soul, and your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and very control center of your emotions, and you live in this physical body. And so the psalmist is talking to his mind, his will, and his emotions. You know, 2020 has been a good year to talk to your emotions. It's been a good year to talk to your mind. Because if you don't, you'll get offended. No matter what side of the political aisle you're on, you'll get offended because people have done offensive things. And so you have to make a choice, I refuse to be offended. Now offense will come, but being offended is a choice. And so you have to tell yourself, you know what, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not getting in the drama. Nope, 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 not, no, not today. Not today, Satan. Not today, political parties. Not today, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Not today. You have to make a decision. And then you have to remind yourself, nope, I I chose not to be offended. And then also you have to remind yourself, no, I chose not to be afraid. You have to remind yourself, nope, I will not fear. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Nope, I'm not going to panic. Nope, anxiety, stop. You have to remind yourself. You have to talk to your mind. You have to talk to your emotions like oh if I talk to my mind all day people think I'm crazy if you listen to your mind all day you actually will be crazy one of the things when you're talking to your mind you're renewing your mind you're checking your thought life and you can't fight thoughts with thoughts you have to fight thoughts with words you take thought captives just like you take thoughts because it says, don't take any thoughts saying, or don't be anxious saying. So how do you grab on to anxiety? How do you grab on to worry thoughts? By saying. So what happens if you allow it to stay in your mind long enough, it will come out through your mouth. And you know, you have a habit of believing whatever you say. You could be cuckoo for cocoa puffs. But if you say it, you believe it. So what you should she say? The word of God. That's how you fight the thoughts that are in your mind. That's how you fight the fear. That's how you fight the anxiety. That's how you fight the offense. When the thoughts rise up, when the emotions rise up, you're just like, nope, I'm not giving in. See, God gave us emotions. We're supposed to have emotions. Our emotions are not supposed to have us. And too many of us are living in our feelings and living in our emotions. And you wonder, why is my faith not working the way it should be? Because you're in your emotions. You're living out of your soul instead of living out of your spirit. So don't let your emotions have you. You have your emotions. Emotions aren't a bad thing. But when your emotions lead your life, it will lead you to a place of destruction. Because if you allow your emotions to run amok, they will mask and act like the voice of the Spirit of God. And you think you're being led by the Spirit, but you're being led by your pettiness. You think you're being led by the Spirit, but you're being led by your bitterness. And you blame things on God. So, well, God said this, and God had no part in any of those words that just came out your mouth. It was your emotions that you allowed to become unchecked. So the psalmist is doing something we should do. Okay, let's examine ourselves. And some of us never take time to examine where we are, we just kind of keep running. We just keep moving, okay, because if I stop, I could trip up, I could fall into this. So I'm going to keep running as long as I can. But the thing is, if we keep doing that way, it's good that you decide to keep moving. But are you healthy? Are you whole? How's your mental health? How's your health of your soul? How's the health of your body? If you never take time to examine where you are and make changes or tweaks if necessary, you'll be running with the same issue your entire life. So the Psalms is analyzing himself. Okay, why are you cast down? Why are you depressed? Why are you dismayed? Why are you disquieted? Why are you troubled? Notice what it says: Hope thou in God. So, in response to the dismay, the depression, the troubling of his soul, his mind, his will, the control center of his emotions, he says, Hope in God. The word hope means to wait, it means To expect, and yes, it means to hope. It means to wait, it means to hope, it means to expect. I heard someone say before, hope is having only positive expectations. Having only positive expectations. Expectation is important in the life of the believer. Although we are faith people, we still have to be hope people. You're supposed to get your hopes as high as you can. People say, oh, you don't get your hopes too high. You could fall down. No, that's not biblical wisdom. You're supposed to get your hopes as high as you can. And so I remember a man of God telling the story years and years ago, displaying the power of expectation. He said he was walking through a neighborhood one time, and he said, "Is a neighborhood you want to get out of before the sun goes down. And so he's, as he's walking through the neighborhood, he was heading to the bus stop. And he saw all these people waiting on the bus. But he said they weren't just sitting there passively waiting like, oh, to get here. They were leaning in the direction the bus was supposed to come in. And so he says, I, you know, he says, I like a good example. So he said, I walked up, and I talked to the man right there, and I said, you know, are you waiting for the bus? I'm like, yes, I am. And he says, is, what bus is it? And he told him the exact bus number. And he says, this is the last bus of the day? Yes, it is. And so they were all waiting and leaning in, expecting the bus to come down that street any moment. And so he said, when it comes to goodness of God in your life, when it comes to expected miracles, you need to do the bus stop. You need to lean in expectation for God to move and do something supernatural in your life. And so hoping or waiting on God is not saying, well, I just wait for God to do something. You know, he'll show up one day. No, I'm actively leaning in I'm actively expecting yes something good is gonna happen in my life today yes I expect miracles I'm doing the bus stop I'm leaning in so he's telling the soul why are you troubled why are you tripping what's wrong with you stop to the bus stop lean in expect God to do the miraculous in your life well how do you know that's what he expected notice it says yeah next For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The word help means salvation, deliverance, rescue, welfare, prosperity, and victory. The word help means salvation, deliverance, rescue, welfare, prosperity, and victory. I will yet praise him. This word praise, it means giving thanks, Yes, it means to pray, and it's all praise. It also means the lifting of your hands. So I yet praise him, give him thanks, and lift my hands for the salvation, deliverance, rescue, welfare, prosperity, and victory of his countenance. Now, this count, word countenance means face or his presence. So what is the scripture saying? He's praising with expectation of help coming from God's presence. He's praising with expectation of help coming from God's presence. But I want you to notice how the scripture phrases, I shall yet praise him. Sometimes you need to know how to give God a yet praise. Now, what is a yet praise? When you don't feel like praising, when you don't feel like lifting your hands, when you don't feel like doing a dance, when you don't feel like singing at all, you yet praise. When your circumstance and your situation tells you should sit down, cry, and crawl back under the covers, you yet praise. What are you doing? You're praising in the face of your circumstance. You're praising in the face of your situation. You're praising in the face of your enemies. You're praising in the face of your problem. You're choosing to yet praise. Praise that I'm not going to let my situation determine the praise that comes out of my mouth. That no matter what goes on in my life, I'm not going to let the rocks cry out in my place. No matter what I'm facing, it does not change the worthiness of my God. No matter what happens today, he is still worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. You choose to yet praise. When you choose like giving someone a piece of your mind, and tell them that everything else but a child of God and using every verb and adjective and noun that you thought you got rid of when you got saved but seem to pop up right there in the moment and remember your pre-Jesus vocabulary. You choose to praise God anyhow. When people have turned on you and betrayed you, you choose to praise God anyhow. When the situation seemed to got worse, you choose to praise God anyways. You give a yet praise. Why? You expect help and victory and welfare and prosperity and rescue and salvation to come from the presence of God. So that means your faith and your expectation is not in your circumstance. It's not in your situation. It's not in what man can do. It's not what your ability can do. You know I can't fix this situation by myself. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the right people. I don't got enough money. I don't got enough this. I know for me to have victory, it's going to take a supernatural intervention of my God. I know it's going to take a miracle. So do you know what? In the face of everything, I'm going to praise Every single morning, what does our bishop tell us to do? Go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. That's what you need to do. You wake up, I praise you. Even before you had your coffee, I praise you. Even on the day where you think you need two cups of coffee, I praise you. You yet praise. Yet praise him. Even in trouble. Praise him. Now, the scripture tells in the New Testament that in, in, in everything, give thanks. You don't give thanks for everything, but in everything, you give thanks. So even when in a situation that doesn't look good, you give God thanks. Why? Because you know who he is. You know his name. You know his character. You know his word. And you know his track record. And as they used to say, he hasn't brought you this far to leave you. He's never failed you yet, and he ain't going to start now. So you choose to praise. Even if it's a broken hallelujah, you still let it come out your mouth. Even if you're feeling all types, you're like, you know what, but I'm still going to say thank you. I'm still going to say hallelujah. I'm still going to say praise the Lord. Because the thing is, it may start out broken, it may start out weak, but you know what? It's real. And as you take that step of faith to praise, it will grow and grow and grow and grow to the point you're coming out of that time of praise going, wait a minute, what was I concerned about again? Because what happens when you begin to praise God this way, the problem you were looking at has grown very small. Because what happens, what's something we do when we praise God? We're magnifying God. And in our mind, we're making him bigger because he is bigger than our situation and our problem praise God for the help, salvation, deliverance rescue, welfare, and prosperity and victory that is coming from his presence go with me to Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews 13 verse 15 by him Jesus therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God when when you mean when they play my favorite song when the organ gets to going when I hear the bass line when they just do something awesome on the drums continually so on your good days, your bad days, your in-between days, continually. And then just in case you don't know what it is, the writer makes it clear. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Then he goes on to, but to do good and to communicate, which means to give, forget not or don't forget, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So these are some New Testament sacrifice. What is it? Praise, doing good works. And giving. Those sacrifices please God. Now what is a sacrifice? Yes, sometimes it's defined as giving up something that you have for the greater good, but also remember the context of the scripture. The writers write into Hebrew Christians living in the first century who would have grown up knowing the law, knowing the Old Testament. And so when you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, you remember there was a time where the people of God had to come before God and offer physical sacrifices whether it was a grain sacrifice or the calf or the goat or whatever, they had to offer sacrifice. So they prepared themselves to come before God and offer a sacrifice. They knew this is what they do. This is part of their religious duty. This is part of what God called them to do, to offer sacrifices on these specific days and this particular part of the time and the year and et cetera. And so he's talking to people who have that background. He says, you prepare yourself to praise God. You know, this is what you do every day. The same way the Levites in the temple knew they had to praise God. You know, you have to praise God. You don't count it as an option. Well, maybe if I feel like it, or maybe if they sing my favorite song, maybe if they hit that note, just at that point, I might give a thank you, Jesus. No, you know, it is your job to offer sacrifices to your God. You know, you are a priest, the Bible calls you. We're part of a royal priesthood. He's made us kings and priests. And so that means every day we have a holy responsibility to offer praise to God. One, he's just straight worthy of it. Two, it's what he's called us to do. And if we offer praise to God, it pleases him, which means that's a certain type of praise. So go back a few chapters or swipe a few times to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. These sacrifices of praising, doing good works, and giving please God. Why? If it pleases God, it has to be Hebrews 11, 5, and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So if you come to God, you present yourself to God, one of the ways they were come and present themselves to God is how the priests would in the Old Testament. They will come before God with the on their mind of offering sacrifices or doing the duty God called them to do. He says, God, when you come to me, you come in faith, knowing who I am. Not just believe that he exists. It's good that you believe he exists. The demons believe, and they also tremble at that fact. But not that, that he exists, but he is exactly what you need him to be. See, one of the Old Testament names of God is Jehovah. Sometimes we pronounce it Yahweh, or the most accurate way, because you don't know the vowels of the name, is Yod heh vav And it's defined as the ineffable name, the name that's too great to be put in words. It's defined as a self-existent one who manifests himself. But the simplest definition of the name of Jehovah is he is. Well, he is what? What you need him to be. So when he says Jehovah Rapha, he is your healer. He is your family doctor. He is your physician. When he sees Jehovah Jireh, he is the God who sees and provides for you. When He sees that he is Jehovah Shalom, he is your peace. He is the God who sends peace. He is your restorer. He is exactly what you need him to be. So when you come to him in faith, you're coming to believe that he is the answer, not your problem. He has exactly what you need, not just to get by, but to win victoriously and become more than a conqueror. When you come to him, you believe he is exactly who he said he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. You believe he's got a reward for you. Now this phrase reward is not even just a random phrase because just a few verses prior in Hebrews chapter 10 says verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Another word for recompense of reward is payday. Don't throw away your confidence, your bold, forthright, outright speech. Don't throw away your boldness because with your boldness there's a payday. And it says, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he gives you a payday. See, God may not pay up every other Friday, but when he pays up, he pays up big. So when you come to God, you must believe he gives a payday to all those who digitally seek him. Don't just come kind of say, well, I got to come to God because this is what he told me to do. No, come believe in who he is and that he's got you and that he's good for it. Come on, we got some friends who say, no, I pay you back. I'm good for it. You're like, no, nah, you, you. we know. Oh, that might be your faith confession, but as of right now, bruh. We know you ain't good for it, but our God, his track record, see, you can't even be God-given no matter how hard you try. How many of you ever had that phrase before? Do you know where that phrase came from? See, back in the healing revivals, there was a man of God named A. a. Allen, and he was used in doing miraculous healings on just a wild lover. and his assistant pastor was a man of God we know by the name of R.W. Schombach who would say, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And so back in the day, he was working for Brother Allen. He says, there were times when A. Allen would be moved in the discerning of spirits and he'd have a vision in the middle of church. And that's how he would call out the different miracles that needed to happen and people would be healed. He was known for walking in the miraculous. You know, a. Allen's one of the people who laid hands on Pastor Deborah when she was younger and she had a disease the doctors couldn't figure out and she got healed. And so A. Allen, so this woman drove from multiple states away. She had a baby who was born with over 16 incurable diseases. And on top of that, the baby's eyes were cloudy. The baby could not walk. The baby could not talk. The baby could not hear. And the baby had no feet. He's in a horrible condition. And the doctors said they didn't even expect him to survive infancy. They said, well, if he survives infancy, he can't live past two. But now this baby boy is a child, but he has no help. And so this mama, and I believe it was either sister or her mother, decided, it's like, we you know what, we're gonna drive to A.A. Allen's meeting and believe God. So they drove and they stayed in a hotel and they paid the cost of the hotel, and they paid the cost to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, and they gave into every single offering. But now is the last day, and she has to go back. The child has a doctor's appointment. She has to pay the bill for the doctor's appointment, and she said she only had $20 left. And so she went to R.W. Schoenbach, who was helping to run the meetings, and said, told her the situation and what was going on. And Brother Schoenbach promised, If the man of God does not call out this baby, I personally will take him back to the man of God's room and he'll pray for him. And so he knew the woman of God only had $20 left. And so that night the service starts and Brother Allen gets out there and he does something unusual because he wouldn't usually do the offering to the end of the service. And he says, well, the Lord has told me to do the offering now and began to share about the offering and share about what the word of God says about giving and here comes this woman and runs up the first one runs up to the altar and puts her offering down and goes back to her seat and R.W. Schombach said You said I'm nosy so I went to go see what she did and I saw she gave her last 20 dollars and mind you she still had to get back home she still had to pay for her gas she still had to pay for the doctor's bill and so now he's praying oh God you got to do something This woman just gave the last, God, you gotta do something. Now he's praying, oh God, you gotta do something. And then A. Allen goes, I'm in the spirit. He says, I see this building. It's a white building. It's a hospital. I hear babies crying. I'm in a maternity ward. And as I see a baby being born, he has one, no two, no four, no 16 incurable diseases. The doctor said he's not going to live. And so he's in the spirit having this vision, seeing all this. So then I see that baby boy and his mom and someone else in a car. I see them driving across state lines. They drove into the parking lot. They're here tonight. Mama, bring me your child. So you know she's running up to the altar with her baby. And he prays. And all of a sudden, his tongue snaps back into place and goes into his mouth. His eyes begin to swirl, and it clears up and reveals an eye coat. His hands pop out. Feet grow on his limbs. All the issues in his body begin to snap and crackle in place. And he puts the baby boy down and he runs to his mother saying the first words in his life, mama. Now, you know at that, you, church is over. You can't control it with your best ability, with your best Americanisms. It's wild. Because it didn't just stop after that. All of a sudden, everybody who was in a wheelchair jumped up healed. After that, everybody who was in a stretcher, because they brought people in stretcher in those days, jumped up healed. Church is going wild. The Holy Ghost just took over said so I got it from here. Completely healed and made whole. And so here's this mama. She's got a healed baby boy. But still, you got to get back home. And so she's just standing there, you know, just thankful to God what he did. And here comes an older lady up to her and says, I'm just so grateful for what God did for your baby. And shakes her hand, you know, a Pentecostal handshake. Left something in there that folds. And then she looked up, it's like, oh wow, praise God. And then she looked up and there's a line of people waiting to give to her. So much she couldn't hold it all in her purse. And so she counted up and sent this testimony to R.W. Schoenbach later. She says, I counted up everything that people gave me that night. It was more than what I put in every single offering, more than what I paid for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day I was there, and more than my hotel room, and more than what I needed to pay for the doctor's bill and the gas bill. And she ended that letter saying, you cannot be God-giving no matter how hard you try. That's where that phrase came from. Someone who gave in faith, who gave an expectation. And so when you come to God praising And giving and doing what he called you to do you must believe that he's got a payday for you that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him that he's not gonna leave you out there by yourself he's not gonna leave you out there hanging he's got you and he's good for it he will back his word if he said it he will do it that's why you give yet praises because even if it looks impossible I can still yet praise Because my God has turned the impossible possible multiple times. Time and time and time and time and time again. Even this year. Time and time and time and time again. I look at last year. Time and time and time again. When there were times we didn't even know how we were going to make it, how God was going to turn it, things that were going on in your life, things that were going on in your family. And look what God has done. You are still here. Think about all the times you didn't know how you are going to make it, yet here you are. Think about all the other times you thought you are done for, yet here you are. You thought, oh, I don't know how God's gonna turn it around, yet here you are. When he you thought, I can't make it through, yet here you are. You can still yet praise because you know your God's track record. And if he said it, he's good for it. He is faithful to his word. Think about all the times he was faithful when you were faithless. Think about all the times he brought you through when you know you weren't doing right. Think about all the times he restored you when you know you broke up that situation. You blew up your life. It was your fault. And yet he turned it around for you. So you choose to yet praise because you know him. You know his name. You know his character. And you know his track record. And those are sacrifices God is well pleased. And when you study the Old Testament and even to the New Testament, when they offered sacrifices that pleased God well, there was always a response from heaven. Come on, you offer a well-pleasing sacrifice, there's always a response. You remember when Elijah offered that sacrifice, fire fell from heaven. We still serve the God who answers by fire. Well-pleasing sacrifices bring responses from heaven, including well-pleasing sacrifices of praise. Go with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Glory to Jesus. Psalm 27. Let's look at verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Look what Psalm said. Look, I would have fainted. I would have quit. I would have given up. I wouldn't have been able to go forward. If I did not believe, I will see the goodness of God. In the land of the living. Not just see the goodness of God when I get to heaven and the sweet by and by. That's good. But see the goodness of God in my lifetime. This is what kept the psalmist going. Then he says, Wait on the Lord. This word wait means yes to wait, it means to look for, it means to hope, and it means to expect. Come on, do the bus stop. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see this throughout the Psalms of David. He tells you again and again, wait on the Lord. Wait on What is it? Expect on God. Lean in. He's saying it again and again and again. We think about David's life, how many times God came through for him. All the times when he took on the bear, took on the lion, took on Goliath, took on armies, took on all these things, and yet God came through for him. And he is telling you from a place of Holy Ghost experience, you need to wait on God. You need to expect God. You need to lean in and do the bus stop because God will come through for you. So what do we do while we wait? We praise. What do we do while we expect? We give some yet praises. What do we do while we're leaning in? We praise God. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. There's power in your praise. You no, know, I, I know a man of God who would say it this way. If you would only know what would happen in the spirit when you rejoice, you would rejoice a lot more often. If you only knew what happened in the spirit realm when you would rejoice, you would rejoice more often. You would rejoice every single day. Because then it said in Philippians, Rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Not just rejoice on Sundays, not just rejoice when they hit that right song, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. See, look at Mark chapter 4, verse 3. We've looked at this chapter so many times this year alone. Hark and behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and some of the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Skip to verse 16. Jesus interpreting this parable. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. The word receive it means they take it. So the word came across, they heard it, they took it. And it says they took it with how? With gladness. That word gladness means with a shout or a shout of praise. So they took the word they heard with praise. Now we know later they should have taken that word, let it die deep in their heart, and deal with some stuff in their heart. But notice what happened to the group of people who took the word with praise. They had immediate production. Immediate production. Yes, they have some more further responsibility they should have done, but what I want you to notice here in Mark 4, those who take the word with praise get immediate results. They get immediate production. Yes, it still has to grow and bear more fruit, but if you want immediate production for what God has been saying to your life, you want immediate production what the Lord has said over your life, you want immediate production of the word that's coming to you today, you have to take it with praise. You have to take it with a shout of victory. You have to take it with a shout of praise. Even if you consider yourself very calm and conservative, there's still things you do. When God says, I take it and I give you glory, Jesus, you take it with a shout. You take it with praise. Praise brings about production and growth. Praise brings about production and growth. Go with me to Luke 17. Luke 17. We're going to look at verse 11. Praise brings about production and growth. And it came to pass... As he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. Now, to us who may not be familiar with Levitical law in the Old Testament, why would he tell these 10 lepers to show themselves to the priest? According to the law, if you were a leopard and you believed you had been healed or you believed you had been cleansed or the leprosy went away from you, you went to the Levites and they would perform this medical exam, this doctoral test, and they would determine if the leprosy had left you. So the thing is, if you have leprosy and it's still affecting your body, there's no reason to go to the Levites. There's no reason to go to the doctor's office and see that you're cleared from the disease. So what does Jesus tell them to do? Go and act like you're healed. You go to the doctor's office and expect a different result. You take yourself to the medical office and watch them tell you what I have to say. That's what Jesus told them to do. And it says, as they went they were cleansed. As they acted on the word of God, as they began to do what God told them to do, as they began to take steps out in faith, they were cleansed. They were healed. They kept walking and all of a sudden like, you know what, I feel better. You know what? Something. I haven't felt like this and whoa. As they went. See, a lot of times, some miracles are instantaneous and thank God for those. But there's some miracles that happen in a process of time. You know, this woman asked Oral Roberts one time, says, you know, you know, someone prayed for me, nothing happened. She's like, oh, that's okay, you're just winting. And I say, what in the world is winting? As they went, they were healed. So you might see something like, what well, hasn't happened yet? What are you doing? You're just winting. Now, as you go, you'll see the miracle. As you go, you experience the goodness of God. As you go, you'll see the power of God. So what do you do? You keep acting on the word of God like it's so because it is, because you know God is good to his word, and God is good for it. And so as you went, as you wait, you yet praise. You thank God that he is your healer, that he is your provider, that he is your protector, that he is your shield, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it, and they are safe. You act like all those things are so because they are so, and you watch God work things out in your life. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice, glorified God. This wasn't a time for some conservative. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to your name. I have dignity today. No, with a loud voice. You would too if you had leprosy. It, this was not a quiet praise. It was a loud voice, he turned around and glorified God. Who knows how far away he was away from Jesus. So he was shouting the whole way to Jesus, giving God glory the whole way to Jesus. And he fell down on his face at worship at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Notice this accuracy, this detail Luke puts in. This brother was a Samaritan. Now we've talked about how Samaritans and Jews had racial tension. We talked about how when you read John 4, how it says Jesus must go through there, most other Jews would not go through that city in Samaria. They would choose a setup. up because if you went through that path, it was a day and a half journey to Jerusalem. But most Jews would do the roundabout route, which took three days. It's like, I'd rather spend an extra day and a half than walking through your city. Come on, that's some issues. Cause I ain't even coming through this time; I'm walking around. So that's how much racial tension there was there. But also one of the things you see, there was also religious tension because a lot of the Samaritans' beliefs were mixed. They believed some things that were right and other things had pagan roots. They had a mixed belief system. They didn't know the full truth. Even Jesus told them, said, you don't know everything you're talking about. They were off in a lot of things. But one thing this Samaritan knew enough to do, one thing even though his doctrine wasn't all right, what he was taught wasn't all right, he knew one thing to do. If God has done something, it just makes sense for me to say thank you. So he turned around with a loud voice, glorified God, came to Jesus' feet and worshiped him, giving him thanks. And Jesus answered said, were there not 10 cleansed? All 10 of y'all got healed. But where's everybody else? There are not found that returned to give glory to God except this stranger, except the Samaritan. Now he's saying this not to the Samaritan, but to all the other Jews that are around him. Take notice, this one who y'all got issues with, This one, who doesn't even know the word like the rest of y'all, knew enough to praise God. Also, you can add in, what's y'all's problem? Because he turned to give God glory and thanks. And Jesus said unto the Samaritan, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. This word whole means restore to health. It means made well. It means healed of the disease and its effects. Healed of the disease and its effects, restored to health. While everybody was healed, not everybody was made whole. While everybody was healed, not everybody received restoration. But praise brought restoration. They all had some elements of faith because they all acted on the word. But praise took the miracle further. How many miracles have stopped short because you forgot to give God praise? How many miracles have stopped at a limited praise because you haven't kept giving God glory, on and praise? There's power in your thanksgiving. There's power in your rejoicing. There's power in your praise. And you don't just do it in church, during the experience. No. Every single day. Go to Psalm 42, verse 5 again. Psalm 42, verse 5. Where we started. Psalm 42, verse 5. So, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. The help that comes from his presence. Now, once again, we said the word help means salvation. Say salvation. Deliverance. Rescue. Welfare. Prosperity. And victory. But you know, as I was studying out that word this week, I looked at what that word is in the Hebrew. And the word in the Hebrew is Yeshua. And that's familiar to a number of us. Because we know the name Yeshua HaMashiach. Or as we would say it in our English translation, Jesus the Christ. Yeshua is how you say Jesus' name in Hebrew. So just look at it this way. I shall yet praise him for Jesus. Because we're about to celebrate this season of Jesus coming into the earth. And where did he come from? The presence of God. He left the royal glory and came down to us. He became Emmanuel, our God, with us. And he walked the earth with us for those 33 years before he died or was resurrected and ascended to heaven and returned back to the presence of God. But the help God sent us from his presence, the victory... The deliverance, the salvation, the rescue, the welfare, the prosperity was Jesus himself. And it tells us in Romans 8, if God gave you Jesus, how about with him? He'll give you all things. If he gave you Jesus in Jesus, he gave you everything. That help has come from God's presence. His name is Jesus. Lift up your eyes from where your help comes from. He has sent you Jesus help comes from God's presence help comes from Jesus but we've gone through this this year how the presence of God is also within you and is also upon you so you got help all around you you got help within you you got help all around you you have help from Jesus you have help from the Holy Ghost but then it tell us that God inhabits the praises of his people so when God inhabits your praise he brings help he brings victory. He brings deliverance. He brings rescue. He brings welfare. He brings salvation. He brings prosperity. So if you need any of those things, what should you do? Father, I thank you. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And see, it tells us in John ten fourteen, Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. on he knows you he knows what you need we'll get into psalm 23 a little bit today but more next week he's got you he is your shepherd therefore you shall not lack he's leading you because he is your shepherd and he's come to give you the help that you need the victory that you need the prosperity that you need the rescue that you need the salvation that you need the welfare that you need he's jesus And he's brought all those things with him. Go with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Verse 1 Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Let's try it again. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture and because we are his people because we are his sheep what should we do enter into his gates with thanksgiving And into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name why for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting his truth endures to all generations because we are the people of God because we are the sheep of his pasture it is our job to give him praise it is our job to be thankful it is our job to bless him it is our job to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise Psalm 79:13 13 says, So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. And Psalm 78, 52, but made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. So go to Psalm 105. What does that have to do? Go to Psalm 105. He's talking about when he delivered his people from Egyptian bondage. How God dealt with Egypt And let his people out. He compares to the job and the ministry of a shepherd. And Jesus is your good shepherd. And he knows how to bring you out of whatever situation you find yourself in. So let's look at how the psalmist describes that situation. Psalm 105. Let's look at verse 37. He brought them forth also. With silver and gold. Now it's good he brought him out with some money, but it wasn't just money, it was restoration. Remember, there were 400 years worth of bondage and cruel labor and cruel slavery. Things were done to them, but when the shepherd brought them out, he brought them out restored. He brought them out with a payday. Don't cast away your confidence, because with it comes a great recompense of reward. There's a payday, and God knows what you've been through. He's seen what everybody has done to you. He said what they said. He's seen how you've been embarrassed. He's seen how people have tried to shame you. He's seen what people have tried to do to you, stuff you know and that you don't. Know he's seen it all, and when he brings you out, he brings you out paid. He brings you out restored. He brought his people out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. That word "feeble" means weak and diseased, weak and diseased. And some of us like the you know the old movie of Charleston Heston when they're bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it's a very great Hollywood scene. You got the elderly people on crutches and other people in cots. Oh, this is so sweet. Look at all those elderly people being helped by the young people. This is so sweet. That's Hollywood, but it's not Bible. Because the Bible said there was not one feeble person, there was not one weak person, there was not one diseased person. So whether they were five or 105, they all walked out healed. They all walked out strong. Doesn't matter what they've been through. Imagine how they would have walked because of all their years of slavery. But in one moment, in one night, Jesus healed a nation. And if Jesus can heal the nation back then, I just dare to believe, God, that Jesus can heal the United States of America of All of his issues, all of his problems, all his racism, all his injustice, all of his iniquity, all of his sickness, all of his disease. If Jesus can heal a nation in one moment, in one night, I believe he can do it for us. Because he is still our good shepherd. He brought them out. Not one feeble weak among them. Say, I'm coming out. Say, he's bringing us out. He's bringing my family out He's bringing our nation out I declare the rebirth of the United States of America I declare our nation healed I declare our nation delivered I declare our nation walking by righteousness and justice I declare reconciliation From sea to shining sea He did it for Israel He can do it for us. God is not done with this nation. The best is yet to come. The best for the United States of America is yet to come. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? You still here. If you're here, you are the light of this nation. If you're here, you're the salt of this nation. If you are here, God can still work and move in this nation. And I believe he'll do it. He'll bring us out. He'll bring us out of 2020. Better than how this nation went in. He'll bring us out. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you find yourself on, whether you call yourself an elephant or a donkey, it doesn't matter. He's gonna bring us out. I'm watching him bring out Republicans and Democrats, progressives and conservatives, independents. I'm watching him bring out black people, white people, Hispanic people, Latino, Asian people. I'm watching him bring out people from all races, all backgrounds, all economic conditions. It doesn't matter. I believe he'll bring us out. I believe for revival. I believe for awakening. I don't care what the talk heads have to say, I don't care what the pundits have to say, I don't care what the politicians have to say, I don't care what the people in office or those coming into office will have to say. What I have to say is Jesus did it before and he'll do it again. I choose to have faith in my shepherd instead of all the words that everybody's running their mouth with these days. I choose the word of God, not conspiracy theories. I choose the word of God, not what the news has to say. I choose a glorious winter, not a dark winter. I declare God can do it again. He'll do it again. Go ahead and stand your feet. He'll do it again. Say, he'll do it again. Glory to God. He'll bring you out. He'll bring you out. He'll bring us out. He'll bring this nation out. Oh, glory to God glory to God because when he brought them out he led them through the wilderness cloud by day cloud of fire by night caused water to come out of walk caused man to fall from heaven caused quail to fall down he provided every single step of the way when God brings you out he knows how to take care of you because he is your shepherd so it's our job as the people of God as the sheep of his pasture to give him praise to yet praise him, to give him the glory, to give him the honor, to give him the praise because we know his track record. We don't throw away our confidence. We believe there's a great recompense of reward. Yes, for us as individuals, for our family, for our church, for this city, for the state, and for this nation. I believe God I believe God I believe God it will be as it was told me I believe God I remember one of the last sermons I heard Oral Roberts preach in person he says you say I believe God that's a rallying cry in the storm and when you say I believe God angels come and attend to you and help you I believe God it shall be exactly what was told believe his word. I believe it's coming to pass. I believe this is my year of restoration. I believe this is my year of transformation. I believe I'm going to see unprecedented victory in 2021. I believe I've already won in 2021. I believe I'm going to see victory on the left hand and victory on the right hand and victory all around. I believe God. My faith is in God. Come what may, I will yet praise him. I know him. I know his name. I know his character. I know his word. He's faithful. Oh, I said he's faithful. Oh, he's faithful. Oh, glory to God. I said he's faithful. Oh, glory to God. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our Faith Experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life so thank you for tuning in today we'll see you next time